<laughs> yeah, I, I still remember when you walked up. Uh, it was it was me and a couple of other DOSEs, and uh, you, you, you were like, uh, "What do you guys like to talk?" And both of the other SEs just pointed at me. They were like, "Yeah." They you, pointed it. Yeah, and then yeah. you were like, "Yeah, sure, let's do it." When yeah. you want to do it, and I pull out the microphone I, out of my back pocket. And you're like, "Oh shit!" Right now. Okay. I was like, okay. Well, let's, uh, let's do this. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Conf T with URSC, recorded Wednesday, January 22nd, 2020. A quick reminder that the thoughts and opinions expressed here are our own, and to please consult with Cisco TAC or Cisco certified partners before implementing any of the recommendations made on this show. I am your host, Brian Young, and today's topic is a deep dive with Duo. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Brian Boyd. How you doing, Brian? Doing well, Brian. Thanks for asking. Fantastic. Also joining us today is special guest Carl Lewis, uh, all the way from uh, down under. And uh, you're in Thursday right now, right? It's Thursday morning over where you are. Yeah, yeah, it's Thursday morning, uh, rainy morning in uh, Melbourne. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you so much for getting up early and, and chatting with us. Uh, for those that have listened uh, to the show for a while now, you may remember Carl from his five minutes of fame uh, back when we did the mm-hmm. Cisco Impact uh, interviews. Uh, he was the gentleman we spoke to about Duo, and we figured we'd have him come back on the show and give him a proper slot to talk about all things multi-factor authentication and Duo specifically. So, Carl, let's just start off with uh, an overview of, of what is MFA and, and how it's a critical piece of, of going to the zero trust architecture. Yeah, for sure. So just to start off with, um, MFA obviously stands for multi-factor authentication. So the, the best way to think about that is that your password's not good enough. So you think about different ways to log into a system. Uh, typically, you use your username and password, that being something you know. Well, multi-factor authentication is, is saying, we need something better than that. Uh, we need another factor, either being something you are or something you have, in addition to that first factor being usually your password in order to gain access to a system. So the best way to think about this, uh, you think about the you know current threat landscape, you know, someone can take your password in so many different ways these days. Um, right. So if you introduce another factor like a token or, in our case, a dual mobile application, something you have, your mobile device, in addition to that, even if someone gets that password, they're not going to be able to gain access to that system because they don't have that second factor. And that's kind of the, the, the idea of multi-factor authentication. It's something that's honestly existed for a very, very long time. I think People think it's something that's kind of new and, and sexy, but it's actually been a part of authentication since, I'd say, around the 80s, really, right? So uh, it's, it's, it's old and sexy at this point. Yeah, exactly, right? It's kind of like <laughs> fine wine. <laughs> uh, but but it's one it. of those things that you, you know, it's super effective. Um, there's all these other ways you can try to prevent someone from getting your password, but if you have multi-factor authentication, even if someone gets that password, like I said, it's not good enough, right? You need to have something else, and that that really um, increases your security significantly. And um, and password hygiene has always been a difficult thing, right? Because before mm-hmm. it was always the biggest concern was, okay, I need to make a password that's complex enough that it can't be guessed easily by a computer by brute force, right? Trying yep. A, B, you know, etc. But we're beyond that now with with all the different phishing attempts uh, and, and fish, uh, successful phishing attacks. 
as well as breaches of password databases that are either not protected adequately or not hashed uh, so that the, the passwords are stored in clear text, we have a lot of these credential stuffing types of attacks where it's just a matter of, okay, I have I know that this username or this email address uses this password somewhere else. So let me try it in this service and see if it works there. Okay, that doesn't work. Let me try the next one. So mm-hmm. there's huge databases of all these passwords where the recommendation now used to be, what, change your password every 90 days? I think now it's it's uh, every six months or so uh, to a yep. year. They've, they've changed the, uh, the recommendations there because it's just not enough anymore. We need to add in a second layer. And don't even get me started on anything if you on uh, on quantum computing and what that's going to mean for, for uh, <laughs> brute force attacking passwords. Right. But exactly. it sounds like there's definitely a need here to add that second layer, right? Something you know, mm-hmm. something you have, or something you are, or uh, somewhere, right? Adding mm-hmm. any of those extra layers is going to make it that much more difficult to get into an account, even when the correct password is guessed. Exactly. And it's kind of crazy. I, I still remember when I was... Earlier in kind of my uh, cybersecurity career, I was, I was taking a training and the guy was suggesting you should always max out your passwords. Uh, so he, he was logging into some system and he had a password that was like 64 characters. And oh, I think yeah. back now, you know, a little bit wiser, uh, you know, a few years under my belt, <laughs> he had no MFA, right? Like it was, it was, right. it's an interesting thing. If he had just introduced MFA to, now, I'm not going to say you should have a, a simple password like Carl88 is not a good password, period, right? But <laughs> if you have MFA with that, it's still going to be much more effective than it is to have you know, a 60-character password. I guess I need to go change my password now because you uh, blurted it out online. <laughs> but um, no, that's a good that's a good point. And when you add the uh, the extra multi factor, even if it is Carl eighty eight, which is horrible password hygiene, terrible password, uh, you would you 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 add an additional layer, and that's really um, where the multi factor comes in, right? It's just being mm-hmm. able to to add that additional layer of security there. It goes into the discussion we've had multiple times on this show about zero trust, right? The idea <laughs> is with zero trust is I don't inherently trust anyone or anything on my network mm-hmm. versus the old way of doing things where if you're plugged into the network, if you're on the network, then I must trust you, right? You, you got in here. No, we've, we've taken that and, and thrown it away because it's, it's, it's that type of trust that has been violated by the different types of attacks and the different attackers out there that have led to where we are today, right? Where yeah. we're just seeing another breach and another company in the news uh, just about every other day here. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's interesting, right? Because as an SE, right, you get the opportunity to really work with customers and see what's actually happening out in, in the field, right? And one of the things I've noticed, especially when we start talking about zero trust is that, and I'm sure you've heard this, like a lot of people that, you know, the way people do IT today is not the same they did, the way they did it 20 years ago. Right now, yep. there's all these different ways to access an application. Um, I mean, think about myself. I mean, think about yourself. Right, when you go to an application, they're they're usually publicly available. I can usually consume them from any device um, that that would then access that. And when we start talking about zero trust, that's super important because you're in the old days. You know, you come into a, a application. There was like a we knew where you were coming from. We knew you were coming from your corporate laptop or your desk. There, your desk within an office. Now you're coming from anywhere. Right. You're working from home. You're possibly yep. using a, a personal device. You're using uh, your 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 mobile device. 
Um, and you're using that password that we, you know, would traditionally rotate, like we talked about earlier. So it's become even more important to protect those passwords and that identity uh, because your identity goes with you no matter what network you're coming from, no matter where you are. And how do we do that securely? And that's kind of the idea of that zero trust architecture from a identity perspective is on how do we enforce those same access controls, those same level of security that we would traditionally do on the network, but on maybe something that sits outside of our network or even to a entity or a person that sits outside of our network as well. Um, and I think that's where right. Duo comes in with that, that first with MFA is that, well, think of your email. You come to your email, you log into it. Uh, we want to make sure that actually is you. You are who you say you are with MFA. And we're going to do that on any application that's publicly available. Um, and I think that's kind of your first step. Uh, when I when I talk with customers, I usually like to bring up um, this maturity model towards Zero Trust. Because as you guys know, Zero Trust isn't a... Uh, on off switch, right? You're not just going to flip a switch, download a product and have zero trust. It's a, it's a re architecture of, right. of your environment. It typically takes many steps to get there. And I think one of the first steps, just thinking about the landscape is protecting identity, right? Making sure that a user is who they say they are verifying that trust uh, on any application from any, any location. Yeah, zero trust for me is a ninety-seven slide presentation that takes about yeah. an hour and a half to load. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> precisely. But yeah, I mean, it, you know, you 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 hit the nail on the head, Carl. Um, and I've I've said it before. I know Brian's heard me say it. I know if other uh, listeners have heard me say it. Gone are the days where all you need was a firewall and an antivirus, right? Where you could just mm-hmm. have that hard outer shell and the soft gooey center. We cannot do that anymore. Uh, the threat landscape has changed because the way that we work has changed. Um, it was unheard of to bring a personal device into a corporate environment. I remember my first job in IT, someone brought in a Linksys ri- wireless router and plugged it into the corporate network on, I don't even, I think it was on the WAN side. So of course, we're seeing all these network alerts and we, we hunt this thing down. And they did it because it's like, well, the wireless here sucks. And I've got good wireless at home, so I just bought the same router I had at home and popped it on my desk so I can get wireless. And we're just like, there are so many things wrong with this. I know. And then then the iPhone comes out, and everyone wants to bring their own device into work now because the BlackBerry isn't cool enough. It's not hip enough. So, And and that really started the BYOD revolution. And then people want to work from anywhere, want to work from home, from the local Starbucks, whatever. The, the, The threat landscape and the way that we do business has changed drastically so that that edge is so blurry now. There is no real network edge because you have services in the cloud. You have people accessing it from anywhere in the world. That I mean, one of the things I tout about my role at Cisco is that I have the ability to work just the same if I'm sitting in a parking lot in my car with, uh, with my mobile hotspot or if I'm sitting in the office, right? I, can, I have access to everything that I need from just about anywhere in the world that I need to do it from. Um, and of course, the Companies that are in charge of these uh, these IT systems for these these types of users, these mobile workers or the mobile workforce or the digital trends, whatever you want to call it, right? They're the mm-hmm. ones that are responsible to make sure that their inside internal systems continue to stay secure, even when there's all these different avenues now of attack that we've now introduced into the ecosystem. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean the data backs this up, right? I mean, you just look at data breach reports. A lot of the times, if you just kind of cut to the meat of it, it's basically saying a lot of these things could have been prevented if we just 
introduced MFA, right? <laughs> we just introduced right, right. something to protect identity, kind of thinking of identity as the, I'll turn my marketing hat on, identity as the new perimeter, right? Um, and then yeah. and really starting to protect that and making sure you protect that no matter where you go. Um, but yeah, that, that's hilarious with the links is because I, I, I was a network engineer before and I, I've seen people do some weird stuff to think, that's going to increase their speeds. <laughs> I'm just going to bring my links in. <laughs> it's hilarious. Brian, anything you want to add? I know we've kind of been shutting you out here. No, it's all right, Brian. I like when you get on a roll. Um, <laughs> but I do have a question, and you know, this nicely segues in. But um, Carl, you mentioned that MFA has been out for quite some time, and as a result, you know, you have a lot of choices with who to go with. So, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that Duo does that are different or advantageous advantageous when compared to the competition yeah yeah great great question because I, I i get this all the time as well because it's such a competitive uh landscape now with just mfa uh there's a lot of different options um i mean duo is extremely easy to use i think our our, our motto internally is like we want to democratize security and we mean that right we want to make it as accessible and easy to to do as possible i remember uh my first introduction to MFA was uh, actually introducing uh, another MFA provider into AnyConnect. Uh, this is back in the old days uh, when I was still a network engineer. And typically, with those types of projects, they're they're painful, right? They're you know you're now having to introduce this new thing that a, the user has to do in order to gain access to it, and they usually hate your guts for it. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's just something no matter how we we try to to word it it's something they typically don't want to have to do uh duo on the other hand is really taking that user experience uh into account uh and really make sure that when a user sees this uh it's not going to be a painful experience for them it's going to be seamless but then also we take into consideration conditions so i, I heard a, a CISO once say it's actually interesting for him because he actually the less he sees Duo, the better, but he knows it's there, so it gives him peace of mind. Right. And I think that's something that's, that's kind of understated is typically you think about MFA, it's something that's disruptive. With ours, it's something we try to, to take condition into place and do it on a risk-based um, on a risk basis. So we take into consideration what application you're coming from or going to and what devices you're using. And going into differentiation, that's where Duo really starts to differentiate. It's not just MFA with just making sure the user is who they say they are, where Duo really starts to differentiate is that we're actually doing quite a bit around device security as well. So when someone comes into a Duo-protected application where we've added MFA to that, we can actually gain visibility into the device that they're using to access that application. And for a lot of customers, I walk into, uh, we have these discussions, I ask them, you know, you know, how are you tackling the BYOD problem that we were just discussing? Uh, typically, it's with written policy, uh, or it's with locking them down, or even with something like an MDM, right? Where it's intrusive. There's always this perception for the end user that Big Brother is now being put on my device, and they never they don't like that as well, right? So, what we come in, or what we like to discuss here at Duo, is that there's there's another way to do that, and you've already introduced MFA. We know it's an effective way to <clears throat> prevent most attacks out there, but in addition to that, what if your MFA solution could do more? Like, what if it could also give you peace of mind around some of the devices coming into your your environment? And what if we can do that without being intrusive, without having to install agents or 
or have to install an MDM where we're controlling that device. We kind of find that sweet spot. And the way we do that is through enforcing some basic security controls on, say, your mobile phone, right? You're using that as authenticator with our dual mobile application. We can check some things on that device, like if the operating system's up to date or if you have a jailbroken or rooted device, or if you have screen lock enabled, you'd be surprised how many people are, you know, they download dual mobile, they go to a dual protected application. We actually give our administrators visibility into, okay, how many of these people have screen lock? And you'd be surprised how many people just turn screen lock off. And they're just, you know, you think Mm. about that, how many people have like their, their email application on their mobile device. If that device is physically compromised, Someone now has access to potentially business resources on that mobile device, right? So those that's where we start to differentiate is taking one MFA and making it as seamless and easy as possible, uh, but also taking into account that device that's accessing that application in addition to MFA and doing that all in one solution as opposed to traditionally you would have multiple solutions to try to solve that problem, right? I like what you're saying, Carl, and I want to take it one one more step further because uh, you touched on it with uh, what you said earlier in this most recent uh, thing here. When it comes to how you authenticate your device, being that second layer of authentication, right? Uh, whether it's you know, like at the mobile app or whatever, the other thing that's taken into account. Correct me if I'm wrong on this. Is the type of device you're accessing from, right, where you're accessing the ser- uh, application or service from, as well as the location. Right. So mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. I have uh, my duo security uh, set up so that I'm not allowed to access email if I'm coming in from, let's say, Iran, right, or, or Canada, let's yep. we'll, we'll pick on Iran, we'll say Canada. Um, <laughs> if, if I try to access my email, we're American, we love picking up on, on Canada, got to <laughs> pick on Canada, got to <laughs> pick on Canada. Um, and if I access my email from Canada and I'm not supposed to, it's not going to uh, let me in, even though I've successfully authenticate it's going to say nope this service isn't allowed from here and again as you mentioned before it's it's that extra those extra layers that this one platform offers that you can that you can add on versus having to get one niche product after another to do all these different pieces right mfa plus Mm -hmm. location awareness plus device uh health checking stuff like that right all of this Mm -hmm. into that one package of duo yep exactly i was actually just working with a customer who had uh, I'm being in Australia, right? They were like, well, we have you know, a lot of our executives who uh, fly into different parts of Asia. Um, and what we were able to do with Duo was say, well, when these executives are in these other countries, maybe we don't block them, but we're going to require that they have to perform 2FA every single time. Mm, um, yes. And that's something that we were able to do with, honestly, it took five minutes, right? It's something... Yeah. You go into Duo's admin panel and you turn on that functionality to say, if you're in these countries, always require 2FA. If you're in Australia, we're going to allow you to remember that session for a given amount of time and happy days. And the customer right. loved that. Right? Um, but, I mean, going to that competitive landscape, I mean, it's it's it, there's so many different options out there. But what I always like to ask customers is, you know, what's your what's your strategy? Like, what, where, where are you going as an organization from a security perspective when we're talking about access? Are you just focusing on making sure that a, a user is who they say they are and then moving on to the next project? Or is there a way you can tackle as many different initiatives in one solution um, as possible, right? Is there, is there a way you can consolidate? And that, 
that question really gets them to start thinking about more than just MFA. And that, that helps also with differentiating duo uh, out in the market. Um, Carl, was there anything else you wanted to cover on the competitive landscape? Uh, I mean, I know there's different uh, competitors out there that, again, do niche things, right? There's built-in services to mm-hmm. to a, a product that may be part of a bundled solution, right? Um, mm-hmm. Or there could be some, you know, uh, as you said, multi-factor has been around for a long time, right? Um, there's some players that have been there, been in there for as, as long as uh, as MFA has been around. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to trying to teach an, uh, an old dog some new tricks here, uh, and are there any other pieces that we really want to uh, showcase here that how Duo differentiates it, differentiates itself between the comp- itself mm-hmm. and the competition? Yeah, um, I think one thing uh, that you know I'm talking about the device side quite a bit, and I think that's important uh, because. Think about the BYOD problem again that we were talking about. Sometimes for maybe a riskier application, you want to make sure that only devices you manage would access that application, right? Um, so as an example, uh, take a, a very business-critical application that an organization may have. I don't want someone on their personal device to access this because I don't know the health of that device. I don't know where that device has been, right? I don't know if they right. keep that device up to date, et cetera, et cetera. I just want to eliminate that uh, potential risk. So I'm only going to uh, permit that a device comes in if I manage it. Uh, and that's another functionality Duo can do as well. In addition to making sure that those devices are up to date and up to a certain security hygiene, I can also make sure that only managed devices are accessing that network and are accessing that application. And even you know, taking that a step further, uh, it, it's something that truly differentiates us when we start doing it on a per application or per group basis um, to where you're making this decision and this gets into kind of the, that zero trust, truly that zero trust uh, architecture. You're doing this decision on each authentication based on who that user is, what permissions they have, as well as what that the risk level that's associated with that application. And you're doing that really on top of the MFA experience. So it's it's something that I like to think of as something that truly differentiates us because you're you're doing it continuously on each authentication request um, on top of MFA, as opposed to having to go and introduce another product or, or something like that to try to establish trust on what types of devices are coming in. Makes a lot of sense to me. Brian, anything you want to add uh, to the competition discussion? Um, yeah, I mean, this is the one piece of software here, um, that we can all validate as employees. Right. And I think all of us coming from, you know, our old MFA solution, we can all say that duo is easier. Everyone has got a phone. You just open up your phone, press the button and you're in. So from the end user experience, I think, you know, it solved a lot of headaches as well. Yeah, absolutely. As long as you don't lose your phone, right? (laughs) Yeah. Good point. Yep. And actually, funny funny thing you bring up is we support multiple devices. And I think I remember I was walking around the Sydney office and, uh, you know, obviously I was wearing my Duo swag. Uh, anyone who doesn't have Duo swag, uh, you should definitely get some. I think the, the green color is it's one of my favorite things about Duo, honestly. Uh, well, you're going to send us some, right? So as, as part of being on the show, you're going to send us some, right? <laughs> uh, so I don't know if that should be recorded or not. I should be <laughs> but yeah, so I uh, I was walking around and I was actually showing people that they could totally have multiple different devices available to them. I use as an example, I have my I have my iPhone, but I also have you know an iPad. 
also have a, a Yubi key, right? I have a, a USB based hardware token that I use more than I use push. Um, yeah. And it's something that, you know, I can use any of these options to get into that application. And that's another thing we think about, right? Like you, you brought that up, like you lose your phone. Typically that's a pain point for a customer. What we try to do is to get ahead of that, making sure, Hey, uh, you have multiple devices. So if I left my phone on my desk or, you know, I remember one time I was at the Grand Canyon. I was trying to take a selfie. Uh, I actually dropped my phone uh, into the into the Grand Canyon. And, uh, Come I was, on. I was kind of nervous. Yeah, I was nervous that I was not going to be able to get and have to go to work. Uh, but I luckily had my YubiKey, and I was still able to get in and re-register my my phone when I got a new one. So right. uh, we, we, try to, we try to take all those little typical user experience pain points and try to make them easy. And the one thing I, I'll, I'll notice, uh, I'll point out here, because I think this is important for our, our the customers that listen to this uh, podcast to to grasp. At no point in that story that you told me about losing your iPhone in the Grand Canyon, did you say, I had to call IT to have yep. them help me re-register, right? Exactly. That's yep. critical. That mm-hmm. is critical, because let me tell you, I came from IT, You th- those guys... They're busy enough as it is. They have to teach users how to right click and, you know, layer eight issues all around. And I forget my password. The last thing they need is another thing that they have to support and spend more and more man hours on. On the flip Mm -hmm. side of that, uh, in the event, let's say that you are, let's say, in the Grand Canyon and you have your phone and you get a push notification that someone's trying to log in from somewhere else, Canada, right? Mm -hmm. You go ahead and decline that. And you have one of two options. You can say, I did this by mistake, or this isn't me, right? Those are the two options that come up. Exactly, yep. And when you you click, this isn't me, yeah, exactly. This seems fraudulent. When you click, this isn't me, this seems fraudulent, what happens? It actually sends uh, an email to your security team. So I I, I usually like to highlight this when I'm demoing. It's because yet another differentiator. I could just simply say no, no problem. Or I can actually take that a step further and allow that end user um, to become kind of an extensionary security team and say, hey, this seems fishy. Um, I'm not in Croatia. It'd be nice if I was in Croatia, but I'm not. But I'm seeing a request <laughs> coming from that. I'm going to deny that. This seems fishy. It's going to tell your security team to go and investigate what's going on, right? Why, why is this user this user's credentials being used to access an application from Croatia, right? Um, so it's right. something that... Um, you know, I typically try to highlight, but that's a, that's a good call out that you can totally um, say it seems fraudulent and, and let your security guys know what's going on, as opposed to them being reactive and looking through logs in order to find out that something's wrong. Right. Instead of trying to, to help you get your new phone set up, so let less work on that side, but also they're getting more information in terms of, hey, this person's credentials were obviously used and successfully in another country that they're currently not in, and they've reported to me this is fraudulent without having to put in a ticket or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this just gives the IT teams more information as well as less busy work. So Agreed. I think it's a win-win all around, and it it sounds like uh, it sounds like a great great uh, solution. Mm-hmm. So let's switch gears a little bit. Um, I want to talk about the three tiers of Duo mm-hmm. and kind of a breakdown of the features between them. We're going to put a link to. Um, the duo.com website and the the breakdown of these things so that you can look into it yourself. But just kind of a, from a high-level overview, uh, Carl, mm-hmm. what are we looking at in terms of differentiating between the three tiers? Yeah, sure. So uh, Duo has a three-tier model. Uh, we have Duo MFA, Duo Access, and Duo Beyond. 
And when we think about the differences between the two, when we say Duo MFA, that's our basic edition, uh, it has everything you need to implement MFA. So, you know, Duo license is based on users or uh, like people, identities. We don't base, we don't license on authentications or applications or anything like that. You could be a 50 person org with 100 application and we'd only charge you for the 50. Uh, and that's going to be across each of the three editions. So MFA gives you the ability to introduce Duo into your applications, protect them with MFA. Um, but then where access comes in is where we start to get into that device aspect. So if you want to see what devices are accessing that application, uh, you want to be able to start to enforce security controls around that mobile device that's being used as an authenticator. As an example, I want to enforce that I have access to uh, uh, an application like LastPass, I want to make sure that not only am I approving that push, but maybe I'm approving that push and performing face ID on my mobile device to add that extra layer of authentication to go to that application. That's something Access is going to be able to do for you. So adding that device level visibility and control, but also what Access does is it gives you the ability to uh, distinguish between different security groups and have different policies applied to that. So think about... Um, uh, example, going to Outlook Web Access, an Exchange admin has different permissions than a generic user. So maybe I want to treat that Exchange admin group with different security policies than I would treat the generic users. Or back when I was talking about the executives example, maybe for most of my end users, I know they exist within a single country. I'm only going to permit authentications for them. But maybe for those traveling executives, I'm going to allow them to travel to other countries but still perform 2FA. Uh, that's a part of our access edition as well. So that additional flexibility around uh, group-centric policies. And then when we get to beyond um, our, our highest edition, that's really where we start getting into the zero trust discussion because beyond has two main functionalities that that are uh, that enable that zero trust vision or, or architecture. One is what I was talking about, about distinguishing between a managed and unmanaged device. So if someone wants to go to an application with a personal device, but we are only uh, we only want managed devices to access that. Uh, we have that functionality beyond. We call that trusted endpoints. Um, and then the other piece to that story is uh, Duo actually supports uh, a identity aware reverse proxy. We call it the Duo Network Gateway. So think about an application, a web application that traditionally would sit behind a VPN. Uh, we can actually put a reverse proxy in front of that, so users can access that application. But with that reverse proxy, we're still enforcing MFA and we're enforcing all those device level controls before we grant access to that. So um, we kind of modeled that Duo Beyond edition off of the Beyond Corp model. So anyone who's followed those Beyond Corp white papers will be kind of familiar with where we're coming from with the trusted endpoints functionality, distinguishing between managed and unmanaged devices and that reverse proxy uh, to gain access to web applications. Yeah, the Duo Network Gateway has been something that I've been really excited to implement in my home lab. Mm -hmm. um, I currently use Guacamole for RDP access mm -hmm. from outside the network without having to open up a bunch of RDP ports. But I would much rather put that behind a Duo Network Gateway along with the other web-based tools that I use internally, like logging into my ESX server or logging into Firepower without having to RDP into another box where I can just, hey, let's just go open up a web page. It's all over HTML mm -hmm. anyway, but I don't want to punch a hole in my firewall. I want to access multiple web services that are on the same ports from a single IP address. Yeah. So that's, uh, I've been really excited about putting that in there. The only 
The only caveat that I have, um, and I'm not sure if there's something that you guys can't even fix, is the fact that uh, with the Duo Network Gateway, I also need the identity uh, piece as well, which also needs to have um, a public IP address. So That's right. for my home lab, mm-hmm. it's it's going to be an issue because I can't run two mm-hmm. things both on ports 80 and 443 on the same IP address. So and I can't get a second IP address at home. So, mm-hmm. but I've got some mm-hmm. workarounds that I'm working on where I put the identity manager up in the uh, up in the cloud and have a nice little tunnel back in. But exactly, and that's what I was going to say is if there's so many options for you on that. Uh, even something I haven't even mentioned uh, it, that's part of our product suite is dual offers and SSO. Right? We have, we have a dual access gateway. Uh, so if for customers. Typically, you know, I work with some of our larger customers here, so most of the time they already have a single sign-on solution. But for a lot of our customers that haven't even went down that, or if you're thinking about setting up, a, you know, a lab environment, all of our additions include that dual access gateway that can act as a SAML IDP. So if you did want to take advantage of that, that's something I would, I would suggest as well. Nice. Carl, let's switch gears again. Um, there's Always a lot of hype around new companies that are acquired by Cisco. And, you know, obviously Duo, um, well, actually, how long has Duo been around? A couple, not, not very long, right? Like four or five years? Oh, no, it's been around, uh, I think we're going on but almost uh, 10 years. Yeah, almost 10 years. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, it's been around for a while. Now, it's it's definitely significantly changed in that time period. I think I'm going back right, to like right. the original date of where our co-founders, Doug and Jono, probably started the duo. But it's right, right. I think duo in its its current form has been around for a few years. Well, it, it seems to me like duo is still in that in that phase where like a startup, right. Where it's kind of like move, move mm-hmm. fast and break things, right. Come out with new, mm-hmm. with new features and, and really wow and amaze the customers that you have. And that's, that's always great, especially when you see new blood coming into to Cisco by acquisition here. So I've got to mm-hmm. ask what is coming up? What is uh, new and coming with uh, the duo product uh, from as much as you, as you can tell me without getting in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I, there is one thing that I think is actually really interesting um, because of the duo and Cisco story. Uh, it's, it's duo. We are working on an integration uh, with AMP for endpoints. Uh, so the way this is going to work is I, I mentioned you can distinguish between a managed device and an unmanaged device. What if we could take that a step further and distinguish not only if that device is managed, but also if that device is compromised or not. So AMP for endpoints gives us the ability to check if that device is compromised when some someone goes to a dual protected application. And that's something I think is truly unique in the market that doesn't exist today where on each authentication request, not only am I checking, does it, can I manage this device? But hey, check to see if this device has been compromised. And it's doing an API call out to do uh, AMP for endpoints orbital API to see, okay, this endpoint, I know about it. Is it compromised? Oh, it is. I'm not going to allow that into an application. Uh, that's something that's on the roadmap. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great mm-hmm. logical standpoint. I mean, I mean, the previous way of doing things would be to use AnyConnect and the posture assessments, right? To make sure, all right, antivirus yep. is up to date, Windows is up to date, I'm good, and have to check all those. But that's usually only when you're either connecting to you're connecting to the network, right? Either you're hardwired if you've got it set up mm-hmm. that way or mostly through VPN. But if you're not connecting to VPN or you, you're not using it as kind of your NAC solution with ICE, you're just accessing a mm-hmm. web application from home or Canada or wherever, 
you're not going to get that that uh, assessment done. So especially exactly. as we've talked about before, uh, I think we've really drilled at home, the landscape is changing and where you work doesn't really matter. So we need to find a way to protect those applications from compromised machines without having to have it go through some bottleneck gateway point, pinpoint where it has to be checked and, you know, oh, there's API calls to the operating system and there's another agent on your on your machine. It, it doesn't sound like we need any of that. We're just going to ping the API and the AMP dashboard, which has had constant communication with the AMP agent, and then just get the all clear and allow them in or, you know, not and not. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think you, you nailed it, right? Um, it's something, you know, I, I remember creating VPN hairpins back in the day, right, to, to f- yep. facilitate those connections. And now it's, you know, you think about Office 365, I'm just going to go straight to my application. I'm, that's just what people expect these days. Um, and right. typically, a lot of times you put that VPN to do those posture checks, but now we can do that as you're accessing the application, no matter where you're coming from. And I think that's that's something on the roadmap that uh, I'm really excited about. And um, just the few customers we've talked to about it, they're they're super excited about that as well. Yeah, add me to that list. I'm definitely excited to hear <laughs> to to see that. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like, you know, as you mm-hmm. said, there's always been a way to to do it, right? Whether you're doing some crazy VPN hairpinning and, and um, or looking at exactly. uh, split DNS or all these square pegs that we've shoved into round holes, uh, the users are doing as well because all you have to do is just block access one way. They try to figure out another way to do it, right? Yep. Uh, which, of course, would just circumvent everything else, like bringing a Linksys router into an office. <laughs> <laughs> So no, that's that's awesome. Um, that's really exciting to hear, and I'm looking forward to 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 seeing you know what Duo, um, you know what becomes of Duo, and what new features and, and functionalities you guys uh, come out with. Because I know internally we were looking at another, we were using another product for a while, um, and then I think there was just so much pushback with the resistance and all the th- the, the the steps that we would have to take to log in. To any of these services, this just made made it so much easier. Uh, you know, of course, the acquisition of Duo, and then of course, eating our own dog food and implementing it um, to our users. I mean, it took it was very very quick yep. uh, to get off the old system. So, um, you know, when it comes to again the the customers and users that listen to this show, when it comes to being able to implement this, it's a very easy process, um, including and I don't think we've touched on it including the ability to have multi-factor authentication for Windows logins. Absolutely. So that when you log into your workstation, you can get that multi-factor push. Um, and again, the same thing applies. If you're, in a, if you're in a certain country, maybe it happens once a, a couple of days or whatever, but if you're out of the country, it happens every time, you can create those rules. So really exciting stuff. Uh, as we say with every episode and every product that we bring up, if you'd like to see this product in action, if you have some questions, please reach out to your Cisco account team. And they'll be sure to set you up with a, a demo or a POV or or something along those lines to to really let you poke and prod at the product and and see how it can help you. Uh, Brian, anything? Yeah, this one's this one's good candidate for a trial. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, just reach out to your account team and and get a trial set up so you can see it in action. Absolutely, uh, Carl. Any last words before we uh, before we wrap this one up? Um, I think one thing I, I'd say is you mentioned the, the Cisco implementation. We actually released a case study on that. So anyone who's curious around what it's like for to introduce uh, something like a duo into a much larger organization, I would highly suggest they, they read 
uh, that case study. It's actually really interesting. Um, and the last part, uh, you mentioned the trial. Any SEs listening, right? Uh, we actually have a free version of the product that we don't talk about enough. So even though we have three editions, we actually have a fourth edition that's free uh, that I was using prior to even joining Duo. So if you you just want to protect your lab or you protect your, your Windows systems, uh, go go sign up for a free account. Um, MFA, I mean, we, we take that democratized security uh, motto very seriously. So I, I would just suggest anyone uh, that it doesn't have MFA on their, their important applications to just you know go, go sign up and see how easy it is for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I remember the day that we announced the intent to acquire you guys. Uh, first thing I did was go and sign up for my free account. Uh, and this was all within an hour time span. I remember I was I was sitting in a waiting room and uh, I got, got my laptop out and I was able to um, sign up, poke around, read some of the documentation and implement the Windows um, multi-factor authentication on a Windows machine that was sitting in my home lab all within like 30 minutes. Uh, so mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a really fast and uh, easy product to implement. There's a lot of documentation for all the various applications that you can protect, whether it's Office 365, WordPress, uh, Cisco VPN, um, Meraki, I think Meraki Admin Access. Um, there's a bunch mm-hmm. of stuff on there. And if you don't see it listed up there, then definitely um, look into any of the single sign-on things that we can imp- that we can integrate in with like SAML and Okta and all those. So definitely check out the documentation. We'll be sure to post a link to the case study on the Cisco implementation, uh, as long as the other topics that we've talked about today, all, all the links will be in the show notes. Um, and so go ahead and check it out and reach out to your account team. Um, Carl, want to thank you for coming on again. Really appreciate the time. I know it's uh, early over there, but go throw another shrimp on the Barbie. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, That's I wasn't going to no one actually let. says that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I wasn't going to be able to get through this episode without saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, of course. Happy to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, no, no, we are, it's, it's our pleasure. And if I didn't have a cold, I would I would put in the thick accent, but I I can barely speak without uh, making my voice crackly uh, here. So thank uh, you again, Carl, for being on. And thank you for listening to Conf T with URSC. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, a topic you'd like to suggest, please send us an email at hello at conft.show. And if you like the show, please consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues and giving us a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you're not already subscribed, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you can get notified when we publish a new episode every two weeks. Show notes for this episode can be found on our website at conft.show. That's C-O-N-F-T dot S-H-O-W. As always, stay safe out there and don't forget to save that config.